BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is the Bulls Talk Podcast presented by Coors Light. I am Jason Goff and I am joined by Rob Schaefer and Casey Johnson for NBCSportsChicago.com as well as our guy Tony Gill, our digital content producer. Coming up on the show, we'll discuss the recent events of the week's past and the weekend past of the NBA. Zach Levine rumors, are they true? Should we give them any credence? Tom Thibodeau takes over for the New York Knicks and Lou, Lou, Lou. Lou Williams and his chicken wing pickup or something else. Born in the Rockies, Coors Light is lagered cold for a crisp, clean taste. Filtered cold to ensure clarity and brightness. And packaged cold for peak refreshment. Because those who thirst for more deserve the world's most refreshing beer. Welcome to another edition of the Bulls Talk Podcast. I'm Jason Goff, and I am joined by Casey Johnson. And, of course, our digital content producer, Tony Gill, is always standing by, making sure I don't get Casey or the company in trouble. Uh, Casey, is Rob with us today, or is Rob just in the cut because he's writing? Is that what's happening today? No, no, I'm here. Oh, triumphant man. return! Triumphant yeah, I just, return! I saw you. I saw you muted. I didn't want to. You know, <laughs> I didn't want to out you. I didn't want to Jack Harlow you, and all of a sudden, you know, have, uh, have to wonder why Rob Schaefer isn't talking. All right, great. So we got Rob Schaefer, Casey Johnson from NBCSportsChicago.com, and of course, like I mentioned, the great Tony Gill, our digital content producer. So, fellas, let's start where the Bulls fans are most um, most interested outside of Jim Boylan, which is becoming an hourly question instead of a, uh, a daily one. And I can only imagine what's going on with KC and Rob's uh, mentions. KC, can you set the scene for the Zach Levine rumors or what, what, what we know about, you know, what's happening with the Bulls star player and, and how he feels about things right now and how the people around him feel about things? Well, it was uh, started by Ian Bagley, who's a respected uh, New York reporter, writes for SNY TV, used to be the uh, ESPN.com Knicks reporter. I've known Ian for a long time. Uh, Hope I'm not speaking out of turn here. That, to me, was uh, read as uh, an agent-planted story. I mean, you know, uh, know, I mean, here's the thing. You know, Zach's got two years left on his deal, um, and, uh, you know, obviously he's had some high-profile – uh, events with coach Jim Boylan and as I reported last week or columnized last week there are certainly more and more signs that you know it's not going to be uh, that surprising if Jim is brought back or at least given an extended uh, dress rehearsal here and you know Zach is tired of losing and tired of having run-ins with his coach and tired of a lot of things so um that story talked about how both the Knicks and the Nets are doing uh, background work on Zach's availability. Um, and look, all teams at all times are obviously checking in on whereabouts or, you know, availability or how teams feel about certain players. That's just the nature of the league. So um, I don't know Arturis, Kardashovas, and Mark Eversley well enough to know exactly what all their future plans are. I will tell you in – the conversations I have had with uh, people that are in the know and just kind of the what's going on around the team. My sense is that they uh, like the roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not, I'm not saying anybody's untouchable, but they, they think that there's talent on the roster and they're more focused on why has that talent underachieved uh, as opposed to making major changes initially, especially, and I, I hate to always fall back on this as a reason, but especially given the uncertain nature of the 2021 season and what that calendar will be and whether or not they even play all 82 games or whether there'll be fans in the stands, et cetera. I think, I think my, my feeling, and this is a more just gut instinct and maybe some informed speculation, is that they're going to kind of look at 2021 as kind of a, just get to know the franchise uh, 
season. And then, you know, they've got cap space in 20, the off season of 21. The virus hopefully will be a little bit more in our rearview mirror or a little bit more uh, handled. And then I think that they sense an opportunity to, to make more changes. So I personally do not see Zach Levine getting dealt uh, this off season, but I've been wrong many times before. Rob, what do you make of the situation as you read into it? Yeah, uh, I had a similar reaction to to Casey in the sense that, you know, when the rumor breaks, it, it kind of just struck me as two teams, one rebuilding in the Knicks and one that maybe thinks they need an injection of energy in the Nets, kind of just doing their job, doing their due diligence. If I'm a team in either of their situations, and like you said, Casey, you see a situation um, with a guy like Zach Levine, who is individually getting better every year, uh, just had a top 10 scoring season in the league, um, is a really great young player and is the only dude in the league scoring over 25 points a game and making under $20 million for the next two seasons. Um, I think it's your responsibility to be keeping up on that, keeping up on the situation and doing background work on it. Um, but to steal a, what, what has become kind of a Casey Johnson catchphrase over the last couple of weeks among a few, uh, I think it's worth taking the front office, the new regime at, at their word here, um, that all communication with, with Zach has been positive and healthy. Um, and that, like you said, Casey, I, I mean, you know better than any of us. Um, it, it seems like they are in the evaluation stage and the problem solving stage with, with what we do have right now on the roster um, in terms of moving forward in the next season, which is obviously uncertain uh, rather than flipping pieces now. Um, now, now, obviously if we get to the trade deadline next year and all these narratives are still the same, Zach is a great individual and productive player, but the bulls, uh, we still have questions team wide and, and the state of the rebuild. Um, then it might be time to, you know, look at stuff like this a little bit more seriously and critically. But to me, it struck as uh, as a rumor that um, maybe doesn't have all, all the substance to it yet, uh, but it's something to, to, to certainly uh, track moving forward. And for what it's worth, I mean, as a footnote to all this, I don't even know that the Nets or Knicks, if you're a Bulls fan dreaming of, you know, trading Zach Levine, I'm not even sure the Nets and, and Knicks are uh, the most tidy trade partners uh, for the Bulls in the first place. Like, what are you looking at from the Nets? You're looking at Karis LeVert. Yeah. Karis LeVert in the late first. I mean, Zach Levine is better than Karis LeVert, and they're the same age. So what do you get out of that if you're the Bulls and the Knicks? Uh, I, I think we got to see their rebuilding pieces um, reach a little bit better progression before I'd feel confident um, sticking my neck out on one of them. And, and they probably don't even want to part with R.J. Barrett or Mitchell Robinson anyway. So um, th those were all my impressions. Yeah, those are all my impressions. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't – I don't see anything on that Knicks roster that I would want in terms of a package of players. I mean, you're talking about the guys that they have to build through going forward in Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett and, and, and Kevin Knox. Dennis Smith right now is an enigma in terms of where his NBA career is at. And then after that, they got a bunch of power forwards and a bunch of guys that Tom Thibodeau, and we're going to talk about Tom here in a couple of seconds, <clears throat> that Tom has to kind of, you know, he has to negotiate those talents and figure out what's right now. It's funny because Tom Thibodeau did have his interaction with Zach Levine at, at Minnesota before Zach was traded to the Bulls. I just can't see uh, giving away star players because they're disgruntled and not getting back enough of a haul. And as you mentioned, the, on the Brooklyn Nets side of things, how much are the Brooklyn Nets willing to tear down their franchise that they're trying to build up with two stars and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to add a third? I mean, is Zach Levine – you know, uh, at, at the at the place in his career where you can sacrifice a lot of the young talent that they've tried to cultivate and Jared Allen and some of the other dudes who, you know, may not be a fit behind DeAndre Jordan. And as you mentioned, Karis LeVert has worked his way back from an awful, awful-looking injury, but I'll take Zach Levine over Karis LeVert uh, more times than not. So uh, until these things grow more legs, uh, they're just rumors for now, but – when you do hear these things, KC, as you mentioned, some, some you know agent plants or whatever the case may be, guys are disgruntled. Do you worry that we're in a situation where he is looking at the the new regime? He's looking at an old uh, coaching staff or coaching staff that he's used to, and maybe just maybe try to figure out where he stands. Like, does that is that if these things are true, is that? Uh, does that ruffle your feathers at all if you're a Bulls fan thinking, okay, is the countdown now for Zach Levine? 
Well, I mean, it's certainly something to talk about, but here's my feeling. This is where Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley need to earn their paycheck. This is what they said that they were hired for, to affect change and make this a more player-friendly organization and a players-first organization. So um, forget who's coaching, whether it's Jim Boylan or somebody else. The, the tone starts at the top, and, and Arturis um, – you know, uh, and Mark got Zach in a couple weeks ago to Chicago uh, for a positive first visit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and Zach's not a boat rocker. We all know Zach. I mean, he's a pleaser. And, and you know, he's always uh, as frustrated as he has been at times. And we all know that that is the, is the case. He, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. All that said, he's always embraced being the face of the franchise since that trade went down. He's always embraced being, you know, the go-to guy. Uh, make or miss, you know, on the court, off the court. So, uh, you know, it's certainly something to talk about, but uh, this is to me where everybody, you know, acts like a big boy and earns their money. Zach's Hmm. paid a lot of money to be the lead guy at a franchise. If he's not the lead guy for a franchise, that's not his fault. Uh, That's that's now on Arturis and Mark's job to make this roster better. And it's it's their job to, like I said, make this more of a, a player first, uh, more modern NBA franchise. And by all accounts, that's what they've done thus far. So taking the coaching element out of it, um, I, I think, you know, and look, here's the other thing I'll say uh, not after I just said taking the coaching element out of this. Um, you know, I've said this and I, I, I've written this. Jim Boylan is nothing but a collaborative coach. If Arturis Kardashovas and Mark Eversley come to him and say, we need you to change the offense. We need to figure out ways to get Lowry better, Wendell better. We need to figure out a way to get Zach's mid-range game back involved. I guarantee you Jim Boyle and Chris Fleming are going to do it. So yeah. um, I personally – I certainly think that this is something to talk about, especially in uh, July on a Bulls Talk podcast. But, you know, any grand concerns to me, it's just guys needing to earn their paychecks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You mentioned coaching, and you said the jo- the word job at least five times in your last answer. So let's <laughs> transition right to a guy who the uh, famous words of do your job as a coach uh, still ring true and resonate with a lot of Bulls fans, and that is Tom Thibodeau. He has been a uh, he has been reprimanded with the task of of trying to figure out it's going on fifty years here, like we're we're almost at fifty years since the New York Knicks. Uh, have won a world championship. He is now the new New York Knicks head coach. Uh, there are a lot of people who are trying to figure out how this is going to play out. David West has some very strong words on Twitter about uh, the the coaching hiring practices in the NBA and why Mark Jackson and Pat Ewing and Tyron Lue and some others don't get a chance to either get jobs or fail and then get another job the way that some do. And, you know, you, you throw around the term retreads and it's, it, there's a negative connotation to it. Uh, I'm a fan of Tom's and I, under, I also understand why people uh, are, aren't fans of Tom Thibodeau, if that makes any sense. Uh, he, is, he is a dude that will let you, tell you the truth about your roster just by the way he plays them. And the development of young players sometimes has been brought into question, but, you know, you guys have covered it and, and, and I've been around it as well. Uh, 
Uh, Tom Thibodeau made a lot of guys a lot of money, especially at that point guard position here in Chicago after Derrick Rose went down. He always struck me, Casey, as a dude who, you know, you button up your end and take care of your work, and he allows you to to, to be whoever you are as a player. But the moment you don't, then you're going to be in that doghouse. It's going to be hard to get your way out of it on top of the physical grind that we uh, we can guess that, that it comes with them. We look at the Minnesota situation where you've, you've, you found out what Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins were kind of before everybody else did by the fact that he recruited the entire 2012 Bulls roster to come to Minnesota and come play with them because the culture wasn't being adhered to the way he would like. Uh, I think this is the right move that won't bear the results that a coaching hire should, which means you want to, at some point you want to contend for a championship. I think this is the right move because I think Leon Rose and the New York Knicks organization and World Wide West are going to find out what exactly they've been doing over the last three or four years in terms of developing talent and procuring talent. I think you're going to find out who's, who's real and who's not. I just don't know if it's going to yield the kind of success that a coaching hire when you announce it is supposed to, Casey. Well, I, I would say a, a, several things, and I'm glad you brought up uh, Leon Rose and World Wide West because that, uh, that to me is the big thing that jumps out about this hire is right there, in theory, you're going to have uh, none of the front office coaching drama that has plagued both of Tom's stops, both in Chicago, uh, only at the end. There were a lot of good years uh, between those two departments. Well, uh, and then obviously in Minnesota where he held the dual roles and those just too often conflicted with each other, the exhibit A being the Jimmy Butler situation where he just kind of thought if he ignored it, it would go away until he had to trade him. Um, so I think the fact that he's had such a longstanding relationship with Leon Rose and World Wide West uh, bodes well. And look, all Tom has ever done in his two previous stops is one. I mean, that's what he does. He's a winning coach. Um, you can parse however you want about – whether he fits today's modern NBA, et cetera. The dude wins, man. That's, that's all he does. And it's because he puts the time in and because he cares deeply and because he knows the league. He knows every nuance of the league. He knows – and I, I've all along maintained that the minutes police and the wearing out of guys <laughs> is, is so overblown with him. The dude's been in the league for 25 years. He, right. he knows how to pace the team. Does he play guys heavy minutes? Yes, those that are either young or he knows he can handle it. His demands, I've always said, are more mental than physical, and that's not a knock on him. Uh, that's because he expects you to perform at a championship level every day, every practice. That can wear on some guys, especially in today's uh, modern NBA. Um, I, the last thing I would say is, you know, the, the X factor is Jim Dolan. I, I don't know him personally, uh, and I don't like speaking about other organizations unless I know people personally, but obviously there are several well-documented examples of, of him meddling so he's kind of always the x factor to me and then the, the last uh, the other thing is and you kind of alluded to this jason that roster is just not very good <laughs> i mean so so at the end of the day that's where we're at here top's really gonna have to earn that paycheck and obviously leon and, and worldwide west have to improve the roster from their end for for us to be having any kind of discussion here because uh, i'm not a fan of that roster at all stinks it looks like every other New York Knicks roster that I've seen over the last 30 years. Rob, how do you feel about Tom making his way to the Big Apple for a second time? Because he coached there once before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought it was um, a, a solid hire for all the, the moves, KC, that you just uh, enumerated. I think think you hit the nail on the head with with most of that as, uh, as usual. But w what's interesting to me is when we talk about how depleted that roster is, I think it's an interesting window into how the Knicks are, are approaching this rebuild, that they're going with kind of the win now coaching option, a guy that um, if his you know, history as a head coach is any indication, he comes to Chicago and they jumped, what, 21 wins? Um, from 2010 to 2011, he wins coach of the year. Um, and they're a 60 win team. Um, and they're, they're one of the best teams in the East for, for his tenure there. He goes to Minnesota within a year, they've snapped a 14 year playoff drought. So he's kind of a, in style and in reputation, I see him as kind of the win now coaching option. Um, the front office, uh, coaching staff synergy, um, to your point, Casey, I think is going to be crucial there too. Uh, but I, I just think it's interesting that they're taking this roster that is so kind of bare bones right now and is constructed around these two young pieces in R.J. Barrett, who I believe is 20, uh, and Mitchell Robinson, who's who's pretty much a project too. 
um, and installing a guy like, like Thibodeau in there. I'll just be interested to see what their off season is like. Um, we mentioned Ian Begley earlier and I, he, he's been kind of on the Knicks um, front office uh, philosophy throughout this entire off season. And, and his reporting has seemed to indicate that they might be in the market for a big splash um, this off season, whether it be a Chris Paul or, or, or any number of other big moves that you could make. Um, the Thibodeau hire seems to me to indicate that that big splash mentality is still pretty prevalent in New York. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, it's, it, it's either going to go one way or the other way and it's been blown up in their face for, you know, the better part of, uh, the time that I've been following the NBA. So, uh, I'll be interested to see how it goes. Um, definitely wouldn't begrudge the hire though. Cause I, I just think Thibodeau's a good coach. I thought he was the most qualified and decorated, uh, guy on the market and I'm excited to see what he does with it. Cause it's, it's good to have him back on an NBA sideline. Uh, one way or the other. I mean, I wish he was there this year because now, I mean, we're missing a real audio opportunity. All these years we were hearing him bellow yeah. music and, and broadcasts and all these other things. Uh, can you imagine Tom Thibodeau at the bubble with no music? Well, the pipe didn't <laughs> the only thing we'll have to, you know, you, you're hearing all the defensive calls and you seeing Tom getting the defensive stances. I'm, listen, I'm a, I'm a Tom Thibodeau guy. Uh, through his faults and all of his strengths, I, you know, there there was a string of basketball that was played here under him that I respected in terms of dudes understanding what they had to do. And if you did your job on one end, you could do what you needed to do on the on the offensive end. And I don't know how much plainer than that it can be. Put put it like this: Tom Thibodeau was the architect of five years of defense that ranked, it was, I believe, in the top five, all five years, four or five years with Carlos Boozer as the starting power forward, you know? So, like, these are the things where he, his coaching prowess is, is, is understood and documented. It's the other things that go along with it. He's not the touchy-feely guy. He doesn't want to hang out with your sponsors, and he damn sure doesn't want you meddling into his affairs. And like you mentioned, KC, the, the relationships – that are important in that situation. And let's speak about, let's, let's talk about that. Cause David West comments about the hiring practices in the NBA and how, you know, guys like Mark Jackson and Tyron Lewis sitting on the sidelines or not even in the game right now, but you get guys like Tom Thibodeau and some other guys who, who bounce back after tough stints and get themselves jobs. Uh, Tom stayed out of the purview for as long as we thought Tom would. Tom was you know, traveling and still, taking in as much basketball as Tom wants to take in. And I, I, I understand where David West is coming from. I truly do. What I don't want to have happen here is the, the sham of some kind of Rooney rule being instituted in the NBA. And hear me out on this. The Rooney rule started with good intentions in the NFL, and then it became – uh, the, the token black interview or the token minority interview just because you wanted to get that out of the way and then you would hire uh, your your eventual signed, sealed, and delivered head coach, whoever you had talked to already. And then on top of it, guys, you know, once these guys get hired, the staffs kind of stay the same and they, they get married. Like everybody's got a ready list when it comes to coaching candidates. And once you get hired, you're – coaching staffs are usually going to look like the same three or four guys, you know, obviously other dudes have opportunities and maybe guys are in other cities that you'd like to be on your staff. I think the real issue is there are not enough assistant coaches, especially with that offensive background, like an Alvin Gentry or some of these other guys, you look at the NFL where a guy like Eric bien you know, you, all we talk about is, is are there enough blackhead coaches? But offensively, that's the pipeline to get yourself into a fast-track head coaching kind of vibe. And Eric Bieniemy is the third offensive coordinator now that Andy Reid has had, who has had Patrick Mahomes and has had a terrific season. And Eric Bieniemy is a, a, a Super Bowl-winning offensive coordinator, yet he hasn't had the same luck as Doug Peterson or Matt Nagy here in Chicago being that offensive coordinator and then getting that head coaching job. So is there, is there something that the hiring practices can kind of, uh, or the NBA can look at as far as their hiring practices that isn't like the Rooney rule that makes a mockery of some of those interviews, or is there going to have to be the cultivation of assistants who are offensive minded that are also minorities so that we can see some of these sidelines change? Because I believe if I'm not mistaken, you know, when we talk about Tyron Lue, Mark Jackson, and Patrick Ewan, there are only nine head coaches who are uh, NBA uh, have former NBA experience. 
So we're talking about 21 other guys who don't have, have league experience. And of those nine, I believe five are white, four are black. And the best career out of all of them are Doc, is Doc Rivers. Uh, so we're, we're not talking about a slew of great players who are looking to be NBA head coaches. Does that, does that matter? Is it when we talk about the hiring practices? Are we talking about players wanting to be coached by players? Are we talking about minority head coaching candidates? Like what goes into the soup, KC, when we talk about this situation as David West detailed it? Well, I mean, I think all this stuff matters. I mean, I think these conversations need to be had. We had these same conversations, you know, obviously when the undefeated wrote that story during the Bulls uh, process to find uh, their EVP, uh, which I think, in, you know, at the end of the day, the Bulls were kind of justified uh, with their interview process, uh, particularly with their hire of Mark Eversley as general manager. But, no, these conversations are important. I would just say with the David West situation in terms of just his specific comments without dismissing the larger themes that I think are important I think he misses two things uh you know obviously several minority candidates were interviewed for the position uh number one and more importantly to me number two it's been pretty much known within league circles that Tom Thibodeau was going to get this job to me it's a first-time executive in Leon Rose leaning Mm -hmm. on somebody he you know, knows you intimately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, knows intimately and trusts. And he does. It's his first chance at the apple, and, and and wants to hire somebody that he thinks is not only a great coach, but somebody that he knows backwards and forwards and can trust. So, uh, to me, it's it's as simple as that. And you know, Leon Rose hired Worldwide West as one of his uh, right hand man, who's obviously a minority. So, I don't want to be dismissive of the larger issues that you're talking about or asking about Jason, as well as David West is raising via social media. However, I think in this example, it's, uh, it doesn't really uh, hold, hold much water. Yeah, but to, to, to the larger points that, or to the larger question that you're asking, Jason, which is what can be done to hiring practices to make them more inclusive? And, and absolutely, it's important that um, a, a larger share of NBA coaches have NBA experience um, and are black. I mean, it's the predominantly black league. Like we talk about this at every strata um, of NBA organizations. Why would head coaching be any different? Um, so I, 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 I see what you're saying, Casey. And I, I agree that maybe this isn't the case where um, it necessarily has as much weight to it. Um, the, the critique, but I appreciated David West's perspective for sure. And, and I appreciate your perspective, Jason, on the on the Rooney Rule stuff because it, it is something where it's a change that can't be cosmetic. It can't be a Band-Aid tossed on it. Uh, it's got to be deep and ingrained, and, and that kind of stuff takes time, as frustrating as it is. I, I know I, – I remember hearing something um, a couple weeks or months ago. Um, I think it was something that Mark Tatum um, was leading the charge on or was at least the, the public face of it. Um, some program where – um, minority coaching candidates or, or minority coaches could come up through the G League and, and be in a um, sort of developmental environment in that way. I, I think that could be perceived as a little bit patronizing too. Like why why should the minor leagues be reserved for that? Like why can't we do that at, at the NBA level? Um, so it's something that, I mean, I just – I can't front. Like I just don't have the answer to it. Um, well, I, I think the conversation – yeah. I don't think any of us do. And, I mean, certain organizations uh, go about things differently. Like, you look at the Spurs. I mean, Tim Duncan's one of the great players, not just Spurs, but great players of all time. And he's found his way on that bench, but it's also a bench that has, you know, female representation as well. Because this isn't just a minority issue when we talk about race. It's a minority when we talk about gender as well. So, um, there are a lot of questions to still be answered as we try to sift through uh, what the results are. And when you look at Jerry Stackhouse and Juwan Howard and other uh, former NBA players, Danny Manning, guys like that, who are have to go the college route to jump back in, Patrick Ewing, who was also named in David West tweets, uh, who I believe is like 49 and 46 right now in his career at Georgetown. Um, it's, it's just interesting to, to, to take a look at guys who, you know, serve their time on NBA benches and feel like that their swing you know, they, they, they get the chance to, to have an at-bat at an interview. And also, you know, guys interview better the more they get. Like, repetition is necessary. And even if – and that's why that's, – that's where the, the conundrum comes into play where we talk about the Rooney rule because it's like, do you get rid of it? 
then you won't have any minorities interviewing for these jobs and understanding what people are looking for and how to how to interview because that's an art as well or do you keep it and have the same see i remember as a kid seeing um uh, sherm lewis as a kid uh, uh kip lewis's dad uh interview time after time after time i believe at that time he was a vikings offensive coordinator and you just saw all these average dudes getting job after job after job and this dude was leading an offense you know with randy moss i believe and before that and he never got a sniff and i thought to myself that's weird you know you got a bunch you know rich Kotite got two jobs and showed he was you know marginal at both but these are the questions that have to continue to be answered uh and asked i should say uh, as we try to figure out you know how to how to make this thing more representative of not only the, the community it's serving, but also the, the NBA community. Because there are a lot of guys who just don't, you know, ain't ready to go home yet. Some guys jump into coaching and try to figure out how they can give back to a sport that's given them so much in terms of fame and fortune and all the good things that come along with NBA basketball. Check it out. NBC has got something special for you. Introducing our brand new streaming service, Peacock TV. From live sports to news, documentaries, and even some of your favorite shows, NBC Universal's new streaming service, Peacock, has it all. Learn more at PeacockTV.com, exclusive home for all of NBC Sports' free Premier League coverage, In Deep with Ryan Lochte, and Lost Speedways hosted by Dale Earnhardt Jr., and so much more. That's PeacockTV.com, PeacockTV.com, to learn more. Uh, Speaking of some of the good things that come along with NBA basketball. Uh, On another note, uh, and this is not to make light of it, but I'm going to get these jokes off. Uh, Lou Williams. Lou Williams uh, did not only put himself in jeopardy and the people around him, he almost put the whole damn NBA season in jeopardy from a decision that he made uh, while on bereavement leave uh, to go tend to a family friend who had passed away, um, uh, Paul G. Williams, I believe, is the the uh, the service that he went to, or the person that for the service he went to, and he put a caption out saying, "quote Long live Pop." So you know this is somebody who was very close to him. And Lou, if you know about Lou Williams, Lou Williams, it, first of all, Atlanta is affectionately known as Lou Willville to a lot of uh, entertainers, uh, and and for good reason. I'll never forget sitting next to. Uh, Steve Holman uh, during an Atlanta Hawks broadcast after the game and uh, we're doing the post game show and Lou comes up to the uh, broadcast booth to say what's up to Steve and uh, Lou was accompanied by two very very uh, attractive young ladies and we found out and Lou has talked about that those were Lou's girlfriends and and Lou and I and Steve had a very very um, colorful conversation and Lou is, Lou is quite the character on top of being one of the greatest six men of all time. But he put the NBA's bubble at risk when he stopped over to Magic City to uh, pick up some food. And um, if you don't know and you're listening to this podcast for the first time, we appreciate you. Hopefully this isn't the last time. Maybe after this story it will be. But uh, Magic City is a gentleman's club. It is one of the, uh, the more revered gentleman's clubs in the city of Atlanta, which is known for its gentlemen club, gentlemen's clubs um, in terms of the culture and how music is broken. It's usually broken at these clubs. And, you know, the, these clubs are more the norm than we believe strip clubs to be in, in, in the North or you know, on the West Coast or on the East Coast. Like, you know, people go, that's the club for a lot of people. Uh, and I was shocked to find out in my 22 months that I did down in Atlanta, I hate to make it sound like a jail sentence, but in the, in the, for the 22 months that I was in Atlanta, uh, when I got down there, I was shocked to find out how many people ate at the strip club. And I, you know, a lot of these strip clubs share kitchens, well, a couple of them in particular, share kit one in, in particular actually shares a kitchen with a five-star restaurant. So what happened was a lot of people started hiring really, really decent chefs to, to really good chefs. Now, obviously, if you're a, if you're a top-notch Michelin-rated chef, I don't know if the strip club is the place you want to ply your trade at, but some of, the, some of the area's best chefs started working at some of these strip clubs, and the, the food consumption in these clubs 
uh, you know, you, you can go and get yourself a pretty good meal if that's how you want to get down. Now, I don't – listen, I don't think he's lying at all. I don't know that Lou Williams was there for a lap dance or for the entertainment that comes along with the strip club. One, he's got to get this Jack Harlow goof out of his life because <laughs> I, if there's one thing that, that is commonplace across this country is – Camera phones don't belong on or active in a strip club. Never mind the fact you are with a person who is not supposed to be there and is supposed to be in one of the most highly secure places in this country right now, which is the NBA bubble. So you, he needs to be excised from the friend circle if, if, if he is a friend. And then the awful excuse of it was an old picture. Come on, man. It's damn near a clock and a calendar in the background of that picture. And also, if Lou Williams had the, the, you know, the prophetic nature years ago or months ago to come up with NBA face masks before the pandemic and you just happen to put that picture out now, then this is just a, a great coincidence. Now, on the serious side, um, it, it, it's irresponsible. It's, he was being irresponsible not only to his team, but to the people around him, to, to the people who may not have uh, the, the immune system to fight off this virus the way he can. Uh, you know, the exposure is the issue. And Doc Rivers was very adamant about how upset he was with Lou Williams. Lou has to quarantine for, I believe, it was 10 days, six days longer than the actual, than the, the normal, um, you know, bereavement list or uh, approved list uh, return quarantine uh, protocol. But Casey, Rob, this is just one of those things where you, we get our jokes off on, on Saturday and Sunday, and then this morning we wake up and we see that baseball had a three-day season because it seems like at the time of us, you know, taping right now, it seems as if baseball is under a flurry of, of trepidation and, and cautiousness that they probably should have had, you know, a contingency plan in place or played in their own bubble because the Marlins have had 14 people now in their organization test positive for the coronavirus and the Phillies and the Yankees game has been postponed because the Yankees rightfully so don't know if they want to be in the same clubhouse that a team that was infected with the coronavirus uh, was, was inhabiting. So Casey, uh, how big a deal is this? Is, is this story being underreported, overreported? How do you feel about the the Lou Williams saga? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a multi layered story. Because, sorry, my headphones fell off. It's a multi layered story uh, because it's easy to get the jokes off about mm -hmm. what he what happened or what you know didn't happen. Or uh, and actually, we have a little bit of breaking news here. Will, Will, Lou Williams is uh, rapping at Kendrick wrapping back at Kendrick Perkins on Twitter saying 15 years in this business and the most dirt you have on my name is stopping to get hot wings during a pandemic. Perk shut up and stop laughing and saying it's just TV when you run into me. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, Williams is starting oh, to, to, oh, to defend okay. himself a little bit. I always, you know? <laughs> I always love it when NBA players tell, tell each other to pull up. That is, that is some of my favorite feet. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, but, uh, look to me, it, the jokes aside, um, you know, it, it speaks to the seriousness with which the NBA is taking uh, all of their safety protocol measures and why I think the early signs are without, you know, taking a victory lap yet that it's working. I mean, you know, a guy went out for a food run and got quarantined for 10 days because he went past the out-of-bounds line. You know, it's <laughs> like that's just how this is going to be. And all credit to the NBA and the Players Association for, you know, agreeing to these stringent protocols that are going to be followed. I mean, there's a snitch line in this damn bubble, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and it's, you know why? Because if this season is not pulled off, the entire NBA as we know it is going to be impacted for it, in financial ways for years and years and years. The owners are going to rip up the CBA. Uh, it's going to be chaos with salary cap figures and luxury tax figures, et cetera. Under, everyone, I think, understands the importance that salvaging the season uh, uh, has financially. And obviously there are more altruistic and cooler reasons that they're trying to salvage it as well. The social justice, the ability to have a platform to uh, address systemic racism, um, you know, actual basketball. Hey, that's kind of fun and good in, a, in for society during a pandemic. Um, but end of the day, 
this is a this is a multi-billion dollar business that is trying to salvage the nineteen twenty season and is going to make damn sure trips to strip clubs for whatever reason they were made are going to derail that. Mighty fine wings, Casey. Um, <laughs> how do you feel about this story, brother? Yeah, I, I can't say I have a ton to add. I, I'm glad you guys underscored the uh, the severity of the situation. It's obviously very yeah. dangerous what, what Lou did, and, and there will be consequences for it. I think Bobby Marks reported it's going to cost him some $150,000, um, which is, you know, quite the fine uh, for, for such a thing. And, um, yeah, the, the only take I could really add to it is uh, I've never been to Atlanta. I've uh, never been to Magic City. Uh, but I had to use the power of Google to to check out what what was really going on here, and the wings do look fire. Might help you out too, Rob. There's some uh, there's some footage on YouTube that might illustrate things a little bit better than Google for you as well. All right, well, maybe not while I'm on the work maybe maybe not while I'm on the work computer, but uh, the wings look fire. The the what are they called? The Lou Will Lemon Pepper Barbecue. I mean that. Hey, I mean. That's sounds sensational. Casey Johnson yeah. got a sandwich named after him in Evanston. You think he's not going back to get it? <laughs> Stop, you fool. Now, hey, let's cut to the chase here because you kind of danced around it before. But you, I mean, you, you gave it – no, no, you gave a fantastic primer on strip clubs, Atlanta, Magic City, et cetera. But I just want to know, do you believe Lou Will? Did he go there for the wings? 100%. Awesome. You know, I, 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 in my time in Atlanta, I know people who would say before they came over my place or before we went somewhere, yeah, I'm going to stop over at such and such and make a pickup order. Now, the thing is, you don't have to go inside. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, can, you know, if you really needed the wings, they can bring it out to you, I, I would imagine. But, uh, yeah, no, I believe the fact that he just went there to get some, some food all the way back to uh, his destination. It's just, yeah, you can't have it, man. It's, right. But this, 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 this notion that, oh, yeah, he just went there for food. No, trust me. It's different. It's a different vibe in Atlanta. Well, and what's, and what's scary about it, too, actually, going back to the serious aspect of this, is the NBA might never find out about that, if not for that Instagram story picture. It's just kind of an inch. It just shows how precarious the whole situation is. Um, and if I'm Jack Har- if I'm Jack Harlow, I'm paying that fine. Also, like no no doubt. Or or if I'm Lou, I'm asking. Yeah, I don't know if Jack Harlow's got that buck fifty though. Like that's that's a lot. <laughs> you don't of, think that's a lot of money for an artist these days, where you know numbers numbers are getting skewed and not in your direction, not in your favor, I should say. But I mean, even Jason McCourty, the the New England Patriots tight end, uh, I'm sorry, safety who commented on Twitter saying, yeah, I don't know how this thing is going to go because we're seeing way too many, you know, Airbnb parties, too many pool parties, too many group workouts. Like people are not just partying, but, you know, all that time that people were celebrating Tom Brady getting his people together in Tampa and working out, like these are things that you're not in a controlled environment. And that's why, like you said, Casey, uh, the NBA – you know, 346 players came up with, with negative tests today, I believe, or yesterday, if, if I'm not mistaken. I saw the news uh, earlier this morning. But, you know, the only environment that this thing can be controlled in is a controlled one. And guess right. what's not happening outside, whether it be for baseball or whether it be for football coming up here soon, college football. It's an uncontrollable environment. So once you are part of that uncontrolled environment, you are now the variable. Like the, the Rudy Gobert situation. We don't, we don't know that Rudy was the first positive uh, player. We know he was the first public positive test, and then all of a sudden the league shut down. So is, is it an outlier? Is it a tip of an iceberg? Those kinds of things have to be on these guys' minds, especially a veteran with a championship push in front of them. Uh, you gotta, you gotta be as diligent as possible. And let's face it, two boys on the basketball end. Now, not, not to mention obviously the global pandemic in, and we want everybody to be as safe and as healthy as possible, whether you're a basketball player or not, because they will be affecting these communities that they're going in and out of, as well as these other athletes. But from a, a basketball standpoint, like there's going to be players who test positive for this virus that affect their rosters and whether it be infect or affect their rosters. And we might see some weird conference finals where, you know, we talk about the war of attrition physically, usually with injuries. If, if you're messing around and you 
you know, you, you let off some steam and you come back and get yourself a positive test and you're a rotational player for the Bucks or for the Celtics, that could, that can negatively affect what happens with your team down the run. Like I think leadership and coaching in this bubble are going to be as important as anybody's depth or as important as anybody's talent, because who's going to look LeBron James in the face in that, in that uh, locker room and say, man, I let you down. Like you're not going to be on the team. You know what I mean? Like these are, these are the things that I think have to be taken into a, a account. And if the Clippers are ready to make a championship run, you can't have things like this happening, Casey. Yeah, and it just underscores how unprecedented of a you know conclusion to an NBA season that they're trying to undertake here. And that's why I've all along, and this you know the Lou Williams example will kind of run counter counter to what I'm about to say. But this is why I've all along said it, to me, some people started making noise about maybe an upstart team getting hot and and winning the championship. Uh, uh-uh. this to me is about a. Uh, professional damn veteran laden oh, yeah. team is chasing the chip and and that that to me beyond the fact that the bucks lakers and the clippers are all great teams those are teams that are just serious minded professional organizations that are going to focus on you know what needs to be focused on during a really really challenging and difficult uh, restart here for 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 many many reasons not the least of which they've been off for as many months as they've been off so uh that, that, to me, is what this all says. As we wrap up here, Rob and KC, anything strike you uh, coming out of the bubble for the, the first scrimmages that we've seen leading up to these eight seeding games? Uh, you know, Terry Stotts losing his damn mind and putting both those bigs out there on the sun hmm. together, or um, what Portland's going to do with that small forward position in terms of defensively, uh, whether they run up against you know, Kawhi and the Clippers or uh, LeBron and the Lakers. he got – Victor Oladipo looking, you know, like like a little bit like himself. Kimball Walker returning. A lot of different angles over this weekend that we that we took in from the scrimmages, Rob. Yeah, it was fun. Um, uh, the Portland angle is, is certainly interesting. They, they've got kind of a whole new roster to work with now with all the guys that they're getting back. And yeah. uh, I watched a little bit of them. I really liked what I saw from Gary Trent Jr. I mean, that dude, that dude is a player for sure, um, especially on the defensive end. Um, so maybe he's somewhat of a mentor to that. Uh, I'm not super plugged into Portland, but but they're, they're certainly interesting. Uh, Bull Bull, Lightning NBA Twitter on fire was a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, he's got some game, and, and maybe we'll see him, you know, get in for Denver at one point or another. He, he certainly is an interesting piece for them, uh, especially with, you know, his versatility defensively. And, I mean, he's really a sharp shooter, man. Like, he's dead eye, 100%. Um, so, so he's interesting. Uh, I'll be looking out for him. And, um, you know, we can't go the whole podcast without mentioning Joakim Noah. Uh, I, I think, I, seriously, I think, you know, he, he, there was a question of what his on-court role was going to be for this, you know, bubble experiment for the playoffs. Doc, Doc Rivers was downplaying it at the beginning saying, you know, even if he doesn't help us on court, you know, it's his vocal leadership. It's the veteran presence. Um, and then he came out. I mean, he's not the Joakim Noah of old, uh, but he's making, you know, he's making passes off the short roll. Um, he's, you know, playing more pick and roll, I think, than probably he's ever played in his career and, and looks somewhat comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's obviously lost one or two or three or four steps uh, in terms of his quickness and things like that. But, you know, the dude just knows how to play angles. He knows where to be. Um, and, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game come playoff time, uh, especially, you know, we don't know how healthy the Clippers are going to be, uh, whether it be physically injury-wise, physically coronavirus-wise, or, or anything like that. Um, I'll definitely, definitely be super tuned in to, to Joe's run. Uh, I was really impressed with what I saw from him this weekend. Um, should be a lot of fun. I will say four words, Nikola Jokic point guard. <laughs> that's, that's been my favorite uh, thing so far. And I got to say, I, I did not think that I was going to be watching as much as I have been. Um, I know they've just been, uh, you know, goofy scrimmages, inter-squad scrimmages, but it's been a lot of fun seeing the NBA again. It also just makes it even weirder that the Bulls are just, like, ostracized right now. Every time I flip on one of these games, I'm like, the NBA is going on right now. The Bulls are not a part of it. This is just so, yeah, it's just so weird. Um, but Jokic, a point guard, obviously partly a reflection of uh, the Nuggets having so few players in the bubble as of now, but that's been fun. Um, yeah, Noah. I've, yeah, Noah. I've been watching obviously pretty closely, so it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, and you know, the fact, knock on wood, that this bubble holds and we got 
three more months of this, two and a half more months of this, that's that's a good thing because it's it's really fun to watch basketball again. I know that after one of the first highlights that I saw, I had to get my human side back because I was happy to see basketball. And when I saw that an Antetokounmpo had been dunked on and then he bounced his head, I was like, oh, no, what the hell is going on? And then I saw that it wasn't Giannis. I'm like, oh, and I'm like, wait a minute. I should still feel bad because that's Giannis's brother. <laughs> I had to, to kind of like recalibrate the human side of me after not having viewed sports in that, in that, from that lens uh, for a while. But I, I'm looking forward to these dudes staying healthy, hopefully, and whatever this season or whatever this time is going to be, uh, it's definitely going to be historic. And, yeah, it is crazy, Casey, that, that the Bulls are <laughs> one of the teams that have been told that you you are unfit to play with us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me tell you something right now. If they, they were just starting this season, uh, like baseball and football are, the Bulls would definitely be involved. Uh, the fact that, that 75% of that schedule has been completed and you, you're trying to limit uh, – amount of exposure while also trying to recoup some of the funds that have already been lost or continue to be lost. So it's, it's quite the uh, quite the, the puzzle that Adam Silver and the NBA owners have to figure out. So. And we should also we should also mention the WNBA tipped off their season yeah, this weekend yeah. and it you know ratings were through the roof. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun watching that as well. Really meaningful fun basketball and um, the sky I mean the sky could be in for a pretty special season here. They're a lot of fun. Really fun, explosive offensive team, and um, definitely worth checking out. They're on, you know, three or four times a week and a lot of nationally televised games, so they'll, they'll be interesting to watch too. Yeah, I saw Ali Quigley knock down this shot with like 14 seconds left or so against the Aces, So, and, and we've had a couple of uh, positive tests come out of the WNBA bubble as well. Yeah. So hopefully those ladies can stay safe and uh, continue to champion the causes that they have championed before it was cool or before it became inventory to champion these causes. Like when the Minnesota Lynx were doing it back when Philando Castile was murdered. Um, the fact that, that the WNBA has started their season by making sure that everyone is aware of the murder of Breonna Taylor I appreciate those ladies. And I also appreciate a guy who's got some poor PR uh, that he's brought on himself and some that is un undeserved in Kyrie Irving for putting together that $1.5 million fund for the no. players. No. Opted no. Out no. Due to uh, health reasons or activism reasons as well, because we also know that uh, the ladies' um, contracts are nowhere close to where the men's are in terms of sponsorship, money, and all the other stuff. So shout out to Kyrie Irving and shout out to the ladies of the WNBA for not only putting on a great product, but for standing for something as well. So as we wrap up here, uh, guys, it's always good to talk to you. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll do this again very, very soon. I am now going to go watch Frozen for the 450th time with my son. <laughs> But Casey Johnson, Rob Schaefer, I'm Jason Goff. Thank you so much for listening to the Bulls Talk Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the Bulls Talk Podcast presented by Coors Light. Find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Subscribe if you like the show. Feel free to rate and review us. And you can listen on your smart speaker by just simply saying, play Bulls Talk Podcast. New episodes are ready every Tuesday and Friday morning. But until then, stay happy, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you soon. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.